think the big thing uh, is that we see this type of foot condition all day, every day. For some private practitioners in particular, they might see one or two a year and they're just not sure about where to escalate. So we're really happy to provide advice and have a chat about any of those types of scenarios. Welcome to the final episode of Beyond the Wound, your source of leading voices for healing people. My name is Cassandra Huff, and you were just listening to Casey Barrett, our guest for today's episode. Casey is the manager of the Podiatry and Diabetes Foot Service at Western Health in Melbourne. Casey has been working in the area of high-risk foot since 2005, and during that time has worked in private practice, community health, and acute care health settings across organisations throughout Melbourne and the NHS in the UK. Casey has completed her postgraduate study in wound care and has been actively involved in Wounds Australia and the Advanced Practicing Podiatrist High Risk Foot Group during her career. The Diabetes Foot Service at Western Health was one of the first accredited high risk foot services under the National Association of Diabetes Centres criteria. Today I spoke with Casey about the role of a high risk foot service. Specifically, Casey and I talked about the purpose of a high risk foot service why and when a community clinician might engage with the service, and finally, how a clinician would refer into this service. Casey detailed some of the advantages of engagement with this specialised service and the benefits for health networks, clinicians, the wider community, the economy, and of course, the patient and his or her families. Casey has worked across this highly specialised space for over 18 years and is very knowledgeable in this area. If you work in the primary health sector and work with patients with diabetes, this will be an important discussion for you. So wherever you're joining us from today, it's great to have you here with us for this chat. Casey, thanks for joining us in studio today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Casey, we're going to talk about high-risk foot service today, and I wonder if you could explain to me exactly what is a high-risk foot service and how does it differ from a community podiatry practice, for example? High-risk foot service means something different to everyone. So the fundamentals are that it's a group of health professionals who are all there to see a patient to help or prevent avoidable amputation or manage a Charcot foot. So that could be a mix of a heap of different professionals um, depending on where you are and how your service is funded. And you work in an accredited high-risk foot. So Obviously, there's a different layer to that. Can you explain what an accredited high-risk foot service is, please? Yeah. So the NADC, which is the National Association of Diabetes Centres, came out with a set of accreditation standards a few years ago, and they have been used to benchmark, I guess, against like services across the nation, regardless of the funding type or the mix, about what is expected in a high-risk foot service. So the, the standards actually, they cover quite a few areas, and including the mix of people available, the administration side of things, the evidence-based practice that's u- utilised in that setting, the equipment that's available and the, the quality of the products that are used in that setting. And it's been a really great first step in standardising what is a high-risk foot service across Australia. And you talk about a high-risk foot service. Can you tell me a little bit about the types of wounds that you would see in this high-risk foot service? Is it only diabetic wounds or is it other wounds also? 
again, that's very service-based. So some services will only see people who have diabetes and a foot ulcer. Other people are more broad in that they'll see anyone with a foot ulcer, depending on their referral criteria into that service, and the mix of health professionals. So up until recently, for example, the service I work in was led by endocrinology, and we didn't have a lot of other medical leads in that clinic, so we only saw people with diabetes. We're changing that slightly now. We've got a different mix of health professionals, so infectious diseases and vascular surgery. So that opens the door to seeing people without a diagnosis of diabetes and managing their foot wounds in that setting. We'll see the whole gamut of diabetic foot ulcers. So that includes neuropathic ulcers, plantar neuropathic ulcers, neuroischemic ulcers, pure ischemic ulcers, and pressure injuries that have had delayed healing because of diabetes and as well as Charcot feet, which obviously people without a wound, but with Charcot foot will come into that clinic as well. And so when should a patient expect that they might be referred into a service like yours at Western? As early as possible. If anyone has a foot ulcer that's not healing along standard timelines, I think is the terminology that is more widely accepted these days rather than not two weeks, not four weeks, not six weeks. It's just if it's a small wound and it didn't heal quickly, we would say, well, that's not an expected timeline. So we would really love a referral for those patients as early as possible in their journey. They could be referred in from a GP, from the district nursing team, from the local podiatrist. We'll accept referrals from anywhere as long as we get the referral into our service. Great. Okay. And it sounds like a a really collaborative approach and, and you talked about additional specialists being on board now with this collaborative approach. What are the advantages of that? It means that we can all see the patient at the same time. So there's not multiple appointments for that patient to attend. So it's much better for the patient to come in and see all of us at the same time. Um, We also have diabetes nurses who I haven't mentioned yet in our clinic, diabetes educators, who will help the patients manage their diabetes in order to then prevent further complications. So at the same time as managing their foot ulcer. The other advantage is that we all learn off each other. So in that setting, I can start to learn a little bit about the way the vascular surgeon approaches these patients. I can learn about the way the endocrinologist um, approaches the management of these patients. And that's really beneficial in then what I can offer and advise other patients in the future. Casey, so it must be really satisfying to work collaboratively with all the team members in a high-risk foot service. Mm challenges I think some of the thought processes even within healthcare you tend to think along the same lines as your discipline and being exposed to different types of thought processes or different types of experiences is really helpful in expanding your knowledge. Casey I guess in between visits these patients would see healthcare professionals in the community. Does that present some challenges and what might they be? Yeah, everyone who comes into our service will generally have contact with another health professional between visits. So that might include their GP, a community-based nurse, a local podiatrist, either private or community-based, and whoever else they might need to. So exercise, physiology, physiotherapy, whatever they need to achieve their goals. And first and foremost, the biggest challenge in that is communication. So how do we communicate across health organisations about the care needs and the goals for these patients so that we can be like aligned and working toward the same goal for that patient? Jim, we talked about referrals and you said that any that you receive referrals from all sorts of healthcare professionals. I guess that would be mainly GPs, is that right? GPs and podiatrists are our main source of referrals. So that will either be community or private podiatrists who may or may not have known these patients for quite a while, but they get to a point in their care where they feel it's needing more than a 
sole podiatrist can offer or that they have specific care needs. For example, they might have a, a low toe pressure result that they want investigated further to see if there is any blockages in for that person or any vascular issues. So then that would refer in. And we do definitely get referrals from GPs as well. That's a, that is a big portion of the referrals we receive, but they tend to be an, a new incidence of the foot ulcer. And I guess early referral is key. Definitely, especially when we're talking about infection or PVD. The earlier we can catch those things and intervene, if possible, the better outcome for the patient. Casey, you talked about referral. How might a clinician in the community exactly refer into your service? So that will vary from health service to health service. Most organisations will have an internet page that has a list of all the services they have available at that site and a way of going to refer into that service. Generally, it'll be a fax. Unfortunately, we still use faxes. Um, so faxing a referral through to a, a number and then that person will be triaged and contacted by the, the service to arrange an appointment. And how quickly would that happen? So the NADC standards have actually outlined targets for us for that. So that's what we're working toward as an accredited high-risk foot service. So urgent referrals we aim to see within three days of receiving the referral and non-urgent would be 10 days of receiving the referral. So we're almost at that point of reaching that target now for our own service. Oh, great. Congratulations. Casey, can you give me an example of perhaps when you've seen a patient that has been in primary health for a period of time and has had a wound that has been very difficult to heal and what kind of advantages that they might have seen coming into a high-risk foot service like yours? I guess a classic example would be the plantar neuropathic ulcer, which um, on the gamut of ulcers is the, the easier type to heal for, for us. The most important part of the treatment for those patients is offloading. So we'll have someone who's potentially being seeing a professional for many weeks for dressings and for antibiotics potentially, and then they come into us because it's not healing. We might be able to get them in an appropriate offloading device. So that might be a cam boot or a total contact cast, and relatively quickly that wound will heal, heal up. But the more complex patients who require vascular intervention, unless they are referred to the appropriate service, that wound will never heal in the community, even with the best care possible. Going back, you talked a little bit about Charcot Foot. Can you just explain a little bit more about what Charcot Foot is? Yeah. Charcot Foot is a series of fracture or collapse in the bones of the foot. And obviously there's a lot of small bones in the foot, so there's lots of opportunity for them to malalign. The issue is when they start to heal, they don't necessarily heal in the same position that they were in prior. So we can end up with gross deformity in the foot, foot that's sometimes not able to wait there any longer. And that can cause ulceration on the foot as well because of the increased plantar pressure on the area of the deformity. It's a relatively rare complication. I think less than 3% of people with diabetes will end up with a Charcot foot, but it's a real life changer for patients who develop a Charcot foot. Casey, what about those patients with diabetes that have not yet developed any foot complications that might need to be screened to ensure that they don't develop these complications in the future? A lot of community-based and private podiatrists will refer people to the Diabetes Australia website, which has a lot of great patient resources listed in there. The NADC has also put forward a program called Foot Forward, which is all aimed at assessing risk and then putting interventions in place that are relative to that person's risk status. So someone who has no risk status, so good, good circulation, 
good nerve supply would then only be, need to be seen annually. Whereas if you had some decreased sensation or a reduced toe pressure, for example, you might be seen every six months. So it would just depend on the risk status as to how often you were seen in that setting. Great. So Casey, what's the services relationship with the admitted services within the hospital? So we consider ourselves, I guess, to be one integrated team and the, we follow the patient through their journey. For example, if someone's acutely unwell and needed to attend ED, they might become to ED and then be admitted into the ward, be seen by the same team, the endocrinologist, the vascular surgeon, the diabetes educator, the podiatrist, and then when they were ready, so either after intervention or after amputation or hopefully after no intervention at all, they might get discharged and then will be followed up in our outpatient clinic. So about half of the patients that we see in our clinic have come from the ward. So we're seeing referrals from community and referrals from the ward at the same time. And it is a real connection between the two services so that a really smooth transition for the patient from one to the next. Casey, one thing I asked all of our guests on this podcast is if the listeners could take away one thing from what you've said today, what might that be? I'd say if in doubt, give us a call. Um, if in doubt, refer. We're very happy to see patients who don't need to, to necessarily stay with us for a long time, but we're very happy to discuss through a case and offer advice to anyone who's unsure. I think the big thing is that we see this type of foot condition all day, every day. For some private practitioners in particular, they might see one or two a year and they're just not sure about where to escalate. So we're really happy to provide advice and have a chat about any of those types of scenarios to just give us a call. Great. Here to help. Thanks very much, Casey. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest today, Casey Barrett, following an extremely thoughtful discussion around the impact a high-risk foot service can have for a patient living with diabetic foot disease. Today, we learned a little more about some of the important work done by Casey, her team, and indeed high-risk foot services across Australia. While Casey and her peers in high-risk foot across the country work quite differently, a commonality they share is that they provide accessible, evidence-based, expert, high-risk foot care across the continuum of care. With the burden of disease estimated to cost the Australian health system approximately $1.6 billion per annum, and recent findings suggesting diabetes-related foot disease as a leading cause of hospitalisation, amputation and disability, both nationally and internationally, this presents an ongoing challenge for healthcare providers. I am sure you have enjoyed this discussion with Casey as much as I have. If you'd like to go beyond and learn more about diabetic foot disease, including the Australian Diabetes-Related Foot Disease Strategy, Save Feet, Save Lives, and the Australian Directory for High-Risk Foot and Podiatry Services, please see the links in our podcast description. You'll also find a link to the local Ergo Medical website. This is our final podcast for this season. If you've enjoyed Beyond the Wound, our second season is coming, featuring Australia's experts in healing people. Make sure you save us so you're reminded when we drop season two of Beyond the Wound. We also welcome your suggestions for future topics and experts. Please let us know what you would like to see via the Ergo email, also found in the podcast description.